Hey loves, welcome to The Quick Tip. I'm your host, Dejada. And I'm Kamisa, and we are a part of the team at Sister Afia Community Mental Wellness in Chicago. The Quick Tip is a podcast where we discuss relatable topics and Black women's mental wellness. We provide thoughtful reflections, quick tips, and leave you with some things to take action on to improve your mental wellness. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Quick Tip Podcast. This episode is a part of our social support series, and we have a special guest that is going to be talking about different attachment styles and how do we make sense of them in terms of our relationships. So Taylor Petway, who is here, Taylor, say hi. Hi. <laughs> um, and so Taylor is the executive director of the Phoenix Clinic Chicago and a marriage and family therapist in private practice at the Chicago Center for Relationship Counseling. She has previously served as a diversity and inclusion consultant in the child welfare department at DJCFS. Uh, in Chicago, and she's currently researching the impact of intergenerational trauma on African-American couples and families, having been published in 2018 in the Encyclopedia for Couple and Family Therapy. Taylor holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology and creative writing from the Spelman College <laughs> in Atlanta, as well as her Master of Science degree in Marriage and Family Therapy from Northwestern University. Through the lens of self-awareness and narrative telling, telling Taylor, uh, Taylor's areas of clinical um, and training focus on strengths-based systemic thinking, parenting, and family sculpting with blended and single-parent families, communities of color, intergenerational trauma, systemic racism and oppression, mindfulness body practices, and relational conflict and infidelity. So as you all can see, Taylor has a lot of awesome experience and expertise, and we are honored to have her on the Quick Tip Podcast. So Taylor, welcome officially to the Quick Tip Podcast, um, and tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to be a marriage and family therapist. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I was listening to you uh, share about all of those things that made me, that felt like the equivalent to like rooting for everybody Black. So um, I come to this work having been a middle school English teacher um, for several years before. And so um, I knew that the work that I wanted to do was beyond the classroom, but teaching is a gift. Students are a gift. Um, and so, you know, I would call all 120 parents at the beginning of the school year to be able to get to know them and get to know their students. But what I realized was that a lot of the socio-emotional socio learning that um, we were doing in the classroom, if things were things weren't well at home, if they were going from, you know, mom's house to auntie's house to grandma's house, right? That learning wasn't sticking. So, you know, on spring break, right? Everything is great, but you come back and you don't know how to be able to handle conflict in the classroom. And so, um, I wanted to be able to support that. And I also knew in talking to these parents that our parents were struggling. And we know that the the field of therapy doesn't have a whole lot of support for co-parents, which is what we see so much nowadays. And so um, I wanted to figure out how to be able to support that and, and started to look at a way to be able to apply that practice. And Northwestern promised me uh, the ability to figure out what community work looked like, what community therapy looked like. And so I, I came up here with the intention that I'm going back south, right? I need some 
fun. I need some grass, but I'm here for now doing this work. Um, and so it became really important to me to figure out how to be able to support our parents so that our ch children could be better and be able to better perform academically. And since you became a ma marriage and family therapist, um, with that goal in mind, do you feel like have your clients reported back changes that they've seen in their children or just like how they have been able to communicate what they've learned in therapy with their children and how that has affected their children? Absolutely. So um, parents don't like to hear this. Uh, people don't like to hear this, that the first person at the top of your pyramid is you. Right. And then if you are in some type of a relationship, if you're in a marriage, if you're in, if you all are together in the home, whoever um, the caregivers are, then it's y'all. And then and then the children get the benefit of that. And so for folks that take care of themselves well, right, their children, they automatically it feels like magic, but it's a lot of work. They automatic their children automatically get the benefit of a parent that has more in their cup. Right. That is that is that is calmer and that has has some has some space to be able to help organize their experience. That's what that's what our our job as parents is, is to be able to organize our children's experience. And so if we have the space to do that, then our children uh, benefit from that. I would I think I would have to agree. Um, I'm a parent. My son is about to be two in a couple months. And <laughs> he said, hey. You said my name. <laughs> um, and I'm like, when he was first born, uh, <laughs> uh, him, I'm sorry, now he's like distracting me. Mm -hmm. Me and his father, we would just like, we would pay attention to be like, wow, he's like, he feels secure. Like, he's okay with uh, sitting in his high chair while we use the bath. Because, you know, it's so hard to get privacy as a parent. But like we realized like, wow, like we really make him feel secure. Yeah. Um, and it came from making sure that we weren't pouring from like a half full glass or an empty glass. So uh, what you're like, I can confirm what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. that's so true. It starts with yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, can you tell me like how attachment styles develop? Um, can you give give examples or just tell us what the attachment styles are and what's the healthiest one to have? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, attachment styles is, is a theory like anything else. It is how we, it is the idea on how we organize and how we interact. So based on, um, how the people who are most important to us is usually mom, who, whoever is raising us moms or dads, right? How, uh, they treat us, how they help us get our needs met. It, it is based off of, um, this childhood experience of how do I get my needs met? How am I taken care of? Right. And so if, um, you are, you know, taken care of well, if you're comforted well, when you're in distress, right? Or if, you know, after a certain time, you know, you're reconnected with, or maybe you're not reconnected with well, all of those things make up how it is that you attach or make relationship. And so um, there are generally what, what we think of as four different types of attachment style, right? And so um, there is, right, this secure attachment, which you were just kind of naming, right? It is this, this idea that in order to get my, I know I'm going to get my needs met. 
right? I can comfort myself. Um, you know, when my caregivers and my important people come back around, I can reconnect with them. Um, and they're going to comfort me and I'm, and I'm okay. I know that I am okay, whether I am alone or whether I'm with my people. Right. Um, and then we find, uh, which is more of an anxious kind of attachment style. Right. And so that's this idea that maybe, Sometimes your needs were met or sometimes they won't. Right. And so then um, you don't know you're in more distress. You don't know if 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 when you're important people around, I don't know if they're going to come back. I fear that I'm going to be abandoned or not left. And so when they come back, I'm grateful, but I'm also pushing them away because are you going to leave again? Right. And so um, that is that is more anxious. And then uh, we see what is avoidant. Right. When I when I leave, when when my important people leave, I have no reaction. Right. That's not something I don't I don't have connection to how distressing this is for me. And then when they come back, I'm probably actively avoiding them or actively not engaging with them. Um, And so that comes often from, you know, your needs were ignored. Right. Someone was not paying attention to you. Right. You would express something and then were denied and kind of shut down. And then we see one that is disorganized, which is, you know, very similar to his name. Right. I it, it, it is unpredictable in the way that they connect. And so that is directly connected to how did your, your people were unpredictable and how they communicated with you and how they connected with you. Maybe you were a friend some days, then maybe they were their parent. Maybe they were, you weren't, they weren't around for some time. And so um, now I'm disorganized in how it is that I engage with folks and how it is that I interact, interact with people. And so of course, from that is this idea that being secure or working towards being secure is what you want, right? So that I believe that when I am by myself and when I am alone, I'm okay. My people still love me, right? I still have relationships there. I am okay. I can take care of myself and soothe myself and fill my cup. And when my people come back around, I can reconnect with them um, and I'm okay in that space, right? I'm allowed to be comforted. I can communicate my needs and so on. And so those are are, di- are different ones. And, and we're all, a li- we all have pieces of, of the, of different ones. And so it is that, how do you acknowledge what it is that, you know, your experiences, right? Kind of these, these, I won't say all all of them for childhood, but just like across your life can impact. You can go from one attachment style to other attachment styles kind of across your life in this way. And how do you see attachment styles impacting Black couples and families? Like, are there any attachment styles that you see more often or kind of what are you seeing as a therapist in terms of Black couples and families and the different attachment styles showing up? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of black parenting, uh, for lots of reasons that we are aware of and how we've had to come to be as a people in the United States, a lot of it comes from a lot of our parenting is around safety, right? Safety and stability. And so if my parenting is around safety and stability, making sure that, you know, I, I soothe you in a moment or so on, as long as you're safe, right? As long as like your basic safety is met, um, then that is what is more, that is what is most crucial at that point. And so that kind of also, um, you know, for better or for worse, we don't get some of the emotional needs met. And so I don't I don't think there's any one particular attachment style that we see most in, in black communities, but I do think that 
some of those smaller needs, some of that reconnection when I, you know, this is distressing. I'm, I'm not safe as a, as a black mom with this black child, I'm trying to take, or uh, I'm trying to take care. And I have, I have your care. I have your care and your needs taken care of, but your emotional safety, you just have to, you have to figure that out, right? You're going to have to figure that out. You're okay. Your body is okay. And so we don't end up getting those things met or think that we need. And so that just passes down through generation. And so we see now in 2023, we're at a point where parents are wanting to say, no, you have needs. No, you have emotions. No, let me name these things for you. Um, And so we see a a resurgence of people wanting to kind of reclaim and take care of these emotional needs. But it's been a lot of, um, you know, suck it up and kind of, you know, maintain your safety. And so, you know, that that ends up kind of sometimes showing up avoiding. You don't have needs, right? You don't, you need to, you, as, as long as you are, your body is okay, you got food on the table, right? You are right. And so those are some of the things that we tend to, we tend to, we tend to see. And now we are wanting to be able to kind of narrate for our children. This is what's happening for your emotions. You know, you hear big feelings, you're having big feelings and that's okay. Um, so we're trying to shift a bit in how we attach to our, our babies. I have a question. Um, you you just mentioned like um things are just passed down generation through generations um and i want to ask if you see any differences in attachment styles when it comes to young boys and young girls um because you know boys are not supposed to have emotions or show them um and just work through them internally whereas if a girl cries, she's likely to get hailed or hugged. Like, do you see, based mm-hmm. on those societal differences, mm-hmm. um, do you see any attachment styles sticking to one sex rather than the other? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, at a at a initial glance, folks would, you know, what we what we see is or what we think we see is that, oh, you know, girls we raise girls more with more either more securely or um, a bit more of an anxious attachment style right because they're more able to better express them but still may not be getting that need met or getting that need kind of taken care of um, and then we see boys where they tell them to you know suck it up and take care of and so then we think that what we see in in boys and men right ends up being um avoidant but i think the idea that attachment theory is theory is like a, a framework is this idea i think that there's an underlying current of anxiety in both of them right i'm just disconnected from you know avoidant right i'm just disconnected from how much distress it is causing me and not getting this need met and so i think a lot of it is how do i manage distress stress anxiety and so a lot of these attachment styles end up like i said folding into each other um they're just the behaviors we see on how you take care of yourself at mm-hmm. that particular point. Um, and so I think, you know, if we see avoidant in, in, in boys in that way, it's because I have managed to push this uh, anxiety and this stress all the way down in my body so that I'm disconnected from it. Uh, so I'd like to say it's probably similar for more of us than, than it is different uh, when it comes along gender lines. Okay. And um, how do you as a therapist help people work through attachment styles that are having a negative impact on their lives because marriage and family therapy um people usually think it's like only for when things 
get a little bit more challenging, right? But like there are all of us have attachment styles, but there may be some attachment styles that may be bringing different challenges in our lives. So how do you as a therapist help people to work through attachment styles and to be able to overcome or adjust to ones that are having like a negative impact on their lives? Absolutely. I'm I'm glad that you brought that up. As a married and family therapist, I work with everybody. I work with individuals, couples, families, children. Um, I help relationships. I help you understand. Typically, our problems come from the relationships in our lives, right? Whether that's a work system, whether that's a, a school system, whether that's our family system, and our solutions are also in those same systems. So I help put people in that way. And so um, I tell my clients all the time, and they know this, is that sometimes just naming it is half the battle. Sometimes coming into awareness that this is a pattern in your life and and in the ways that you have seen it and connecting it to previous experiences brings a lot of relief and empowers a lot of clients in that way. And so um, being able to connect some of the dots and helping people, you know, can you identify and name what this behavior is? We, we don't, you know, we have, you know, if I say you're deflecting, that's a connotation, a bad connotation that you have. No, let's just name it. Right. Have, did you have you seen that before? Where have you seen that before? Did somebody do that to you? Right? What does it feel like when you do that? And just being able to like identify your emotions, um, sometimes or not, not. I won't say just being able to, because it's a task. Everything that I'm talking about is a task. And so sometimes just being able to figure out how I identify my emotions, where they connect to, um, where do some of my behaviors connect to, give you some awareness to be able to have more control over what your relationships and how you attach and your interactions in your in, in your life. Um, and then, you know, that's not always all of it, right? Sometimes I need to be able to, I, even though I have this awareness, it is still persisting. And so that's when we dig into um, being able to, a lot of those injuries that kind of solidify attachment styles in a certain way come from typically trauma or difficult experiences that have happened to us. And so um, then we dig into, you know, what how do we go pick up those pieces of you that were left at those difficult experiences um, that shifted and changed your attachment style to bring you in this present to figure out how you take care of it if you're going to be more secure. Right. Because you got to go. You don't have you. Like I said about the boys earlier, I don't even realize that I'm doing that. It's because of this experience I had when I was 11. So now I have to go back and understand what was happening for me then to see how that shows up here. So now as adult me, I can take care of it. Right. I can manage that better. Um, and so that's a, the heavy lifting work that that sometimes it requires and that people do every day um, to be able to, to work towards being secure in their relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know you just mentioned ways that you tackle um, the negative impact that people's attachment style could have on them. But if someone is looking to heal from relationships, whether it was like with their parents or with another guardian, um, what's the most important first step um, to begin that process to heal from those relationships? Um, I have seen folks, there are folks that come to this without therapy. 
And so I definitely want to name that, right? That there's a way for you to be able to to do this work um, if if you're not ready or you're or you're wanting to figure out how I come to it. I meet people and they have this awareness that allows them to do that. But I think I think that again, how do you become aware of what you see in yourself? Right. If you do that in therapy or if you do that outside, are you journaling regularly? Do you record videos where you're talking about like this is and and I know it seems it seems so superficial, but how do I what am I feeling today beyond just like I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm happy. Right. Um, What emotions are attached to what it is that I am feeling? When have I did I have a reaction that was bigger than the situation warranted? Right. Where did that come from? Where have I seen that before? Where have I felt that before? And how do you identify, right? The Some of the feelings and the reactions that you have today aren't coming from situations of today. They're coming from previously. And so how do you identify that kind of in your regular life? How do you go on? It's, it's essentially kind of going on um, uh, information gathering about yourself mm-hmm. over some time, right? Can I identify the reactions that I'm having in myself, right? And then when I see that, where did this come from? What stories is this? Oh, it was this situation here. Oh, it was here. It was here. It was this. And so how do I process through that? Because we get to these big grown ages and we we hadn't looked at how we got over. Yeah. Right? And so we really have to do that. I think we are, we, we need it. We we need it. It is what you deserve to be able to understand the experiences that you have and how they show up. And so I think every every person, every person, every black person especially deserves to go on that journey of themselves in order to be able to look at um, the way that that impacts them. Right. How do you know that I'm important enough to be able to understand who it is that I am? Yeah, that sounds like a, a huge first step, though. <laughs> As someone who well, I know y'all are therapists, um, and as someone who is a is a client, uh, that work is hard. Even just like to sit down and journal, like I just fight with myself. I'd be like, I'll think. I just I like I'll keep it in my head. I'll just think about it to myself. Um, but writing, whenever I journal, I realize that I'm able to understand myself more and answer the ask myself the questions that you were just um mm-hmm. throwing out there yeah, yeah. thank you for sharing. i'm a client too and that <laughs> is i am a client and a therapist and it is it is hard work and so that is a that is why that is why we're that's why we're here right you could try to do it on your own and sometimes it's intimidating and it can be scary and it can be heavy but to have somebody along that journey as you're trying to like get to you um is a gift yeah absolutely absolutely taylor how can people get connected to you you're um executive director of the phoenix clinic you also are a marriage and family therapist at chicago center for relationship counseling so tell us more about your work at both of those places and for our listeners how can they get connected to you and the work that you're doing here in chicago Absolutely. Absolutely. Phoenix Clinic Chicago uh, came out of the pandemic and we're still running strong at being able to provide um, reduced fee services to individuals, couples and families, um, but especially to black black folks and communities of color and communities with limited financial resources. You tell us you know, what you can pay between zero and fifty dollars and we get you connected right with people who understand who, who center you in your context and help you figure out your problems and your solutions. And so Phoenix 
Clinic Chicago. You can find us there. Facebook, you can find us there. Instagram, right? Info at phoenixclinic.org. If you're interested in and need support in terms of services, if you're wanting to help us do the work, you know, that we are seeking to do, um, that's that's a way, all of those ways are, are ways that you can get in contact with us. We also train uh, new therapists to be able to do this work in their communities and figure out how in their little piece, we can't change the whole world, right? But in your little piece of the world, how can we help you, um, you know, in, in be able to support the mental health of the community that, that you're in? Um, and so that work is really important to me and, and important to our team. And so we're grateful um, and, and hope that folks will reach out to us and connect. We, we love being able to develop community. And then I uh, have my own private practice. And so, you know, you can always find me at Taylor P. MFT. Uh, you can find me there on Instagram. You can email me in that way at Gmail. And so I'm always uh, open to being able to support people um, as they're on their journey um, to themselves and in their relationships. Thanks for sharing, Taylor. Um, I do have a on the couch question for you. It's where someone sends in a question to get answered. Okay. Um, and I think you kind of already answered some of the question. Um, the question is, how can I identify what my attachment style is? What can I do to get a secure attachment? And does my attachment style affect all of my relationships? Absolutely. Um, I think identifying we talked about the different ones that you have but i think it can be really i want to say um that it can be really intimidating when you like if you like take one of the quizzes online and you're like now i'm avoiding oh no what do i do um and so so one you know give yourself some grace right a lot of those behaviors and a lot of the things that you've picked up you've picked up so that you can survive Right. You've picked up so that you can get through the world. Right. And that's OK to be able to acknowledge first and hold with grace the things that you have done is 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 kind of the first step. And then what is it? I think one thing that I really, really value and that I tell clients is what is it that you want to have versus what you don't want to have? I, I see so many people when I come to hear about what they want in their relationships and the model that they're like, well, this is what I don't want. This is what I saw. And this is what I don't. That's a scarcity mindset. If you build your life around what it is that you don't want, it turns into a full circle and you end up creating that exact life. Right. And so how do you decide what it is that you do want? Right. And so it is going to it is a challenge. Right. Especially if there's a lot of stuff underneath, if there's a lot of history underneath that you're trying to do the opposite of. Right. You can start trying to shift those behaviors a bit. Right. But eventually, at some point, if you're like struggling, so you're like, All right, I decided what I want. Right. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm still falling. That means that 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 old stuff has a pull. And you're going to have to get you're going to have to start working on some of that old stuff in order to do that. But I think first, just being able to kind of shift in some of your behaviors and deciding how you want to do that is the first step. Um, and then once you do that, you deserve something. If you're like, OK, I'm st- I still need I still need some support. Get you some. There's so many people out here ready to help you for sure. For sure. Um, and then the last question to the whole question Uh does their attachment style affect all of their relationships? Your uh, your attachment style impacts how you see the world and how you see yourself. 
and how you see people in relationships. Um, it, is, it is based on how do I interact? How do I, your attachment style, how do I interact with people? How do I manage my stress? Right. How do I manage my anxiety? And so it covers um, it covers a multitude. It is. how And how do I connect to the people that are important to me? But also to, to all people. Right. Do I notice that as soon as any inconvenience happens, I'm like, eh, that's it. Right. Mm-hmm. You see that in so many different areas of your life. And so this impacts um, your lens and how you see the world. Appreciate you for answering that question. Mm-hmm. You give really good insight. I would love to come to you as a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you all can definitely see Taylor is really passionate about relationships, families, has so much knowledge, um, and just a skill set that we need in the Black community. I always say, like, one of the things that I see on an individual basis is how people's relationships with their families and significant others, how that greatly contributes to their mental health and where they are today. So the fact that you're doing this work on the family is just, it's priceless. (laughs) It's really priceless because it can really transform lives. Um, Before we go to our quick tips, we have a hot topic. So there has been a lot of relationship advice that people are giving out on social media. Some people are self-appointed coaches, <laughs> gurus, or just, you know, they just want to share their take on how people should be in relationships and especially in the Black community. So Taylor, I would love to know from you, like, how do you help people sort through all this information on social media and in the world about how people should be in relationships? Yeah, Um you have to similar to to what I was sharing. I think going into this is going into social media before you even decide I'm gonna engage in this. I'm gonna pick this up. It helps again to have what in your mind, right? Separate from, and I have to do this too, right? How do I know what I'm thinking or what I desire is what I desire versus what the internet or social media has told me, right? And so, how do you sit there and do that with those questions in mind? Right. When you talk, when you think about what it is that you want, do you know that already? Have you decided that? Have you done that? Do you have you asked yourself, okay, is this what I want? Did somebody on a podcast on the internet tell me that this is what I want? Right. And so when I have that, then I can think more critically when I go see information online. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you're going to see it. And I think with anything, just with therapy, you know, the wisdom that we get from elders, we take what is helpful for us and we leave the rest. Right. But we don't know what is helpful for us if we hadn't decided, you know, what's important to us before we even get to taking in information. And so it's so important to be able to know for yourself already. What is it that feels important to me? And so then when I go, people have good information. People, some people have good information and some people, you know, it is out of their experience and so on. But I think that you can there's always a piece that you can say, and then you can leave the rest for yourself. And if you feel yourself like, oh, I feel in a box or I feel like this, or they're telling me one thing and I'm getting another thing from over here, it's time to log off for a little bit and center. What is it? Can I remember what it is that I want and what is it that I need to be able to do? 
Um, and so those are those are the things to be able to make sure that your filter for what it is that you want is clear when you are engaging and pulling in that information. Because if you don't, if you if you don't, if you don't realize that you'll, um, you know, have a have an Instagram relationship or be <laughs> or be seeking something that isn't real. Right. And is it authentic to what it is that you you have and you and this person are trying to build? Yeah. Thank you so much. I love that. Keep the good and the other stuff that isn't helpful or doesn't apply to what you know you need to leave it. Um, yeah. I think that's very, very important. Um, so we always end with some quick tips for all of us to share just based on the topic and the conversation so we'll start with Jada, then we'll go to you, Taylor, and then finish off with me. Um, what are some quick tips about understanding and exploring attachment and relationships? What do you have, Jada? Um, I'm going to take something that Taylor said that I'm actually going to start using because I think it would be really helpful um, to just understand who, who we are as people or I, who I am as a person and what I want out of my life. I feel like I already have my goals, but I think journaling and recording myself, um, talking and sharing just like where I'm at, my feelings and my goals will help me just get more of an understanding of what I need to take and what I need to leave. Um, honestly, I also have to say this is like one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> um, so Taylor, I'm gonna be reaching out to you. So yeah, my, my quick tip that's never really quick is to talk to yourself and get an understanding of who you are. Um, I am my quick tip and my, if, if a client sees this, they will know and they probably get tired of me saying it, is you have to pour into your cup. I know we see so much about self-care and all that. I try not to even use the word self-care because we have so many reactions to it. You can figure out how to pour into your cup at any point, 10 minutes, you have 10 minutes in your day, you have five minutes in your day to tune into your five senses, right? To just be able to take a breath, right? To be able to, if, if you think about all the times that you have said yes to someone in your day that has actually been no to you, right? There is something that you can do to take that back and take a yes back for yourself where you can pour into your cup. If you, that's, half of this battle. If you can figure out how to do that, you will have so much more clarity and so much more uh, capacity to be able to see and create the life that you want. Pour into your cup. Thank you, Taylor. Um, my quick tip is um, self-awareness. Like I always tell people, self-awareness is usually one of the first things that can be a catalyst for change. And um, the information, you know, that we've learned today about attachment, like now that we're aware of it, like it'll help us to be able to move in a way that will be beneficial or can change the trajectory of our lives. And I believe that all starts with self-awareness. So thank you, Taylor, for being thank here for the quick tip. <laughs> Absolutely. This was great. Thank y'all for inviting me. This was this was this was great. Thank y'all so much. Of so this is our last episode in the social support series. Um, next, we will be segueing into the Black family, which is perfect because we're ending our social support series with a marriage and family therapist. And now we're about to go deeper into the yes. Black family. Um, so we will catch you next time on the Quick Tip Podcast. Take care of all of you and be well.
Thank you for tuning in to the Quick Tip Podcast with Sissa Afia. Stay connected with us by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Sissa Afia. Join us for one of our upcoming groups, classes, or workshops, and sign up for therapy if you're an Illinois resident at www.sisaafia.com services. And if you enjoyed this episode, do us a favor and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We greatly appreciate you for being a part of our community, and we look forward to connecting with you soon. Take care.